0: How are you? How are you getting on? I hope you're having a lovely, gentle day. And my name is Column, and this is the Sober Mess podcast. And you're very welcome. Today I'm absolutely over the moon and chuffed to have my good friend Dave Kerrigan on the podcast. I was introduced to Dave a few months ago down at the 44 and. Dave, I suppose he's the proud owner of a very, very motivational life story. And uh, when he told me his story, you know, I just, I found it so motivational that I I said, look, man, I, I, I think you're going to help a lot of people with this. I've so just been able to kind of have a chat on the podcast. I'd love you to come on and just share it. And, you know, and just how, you know, other people's kind of own hardships can transcend on the hope for other people. Like, you know what I mean? And, uh, and yeah, I just found Dave it's such an incredible person and I just was trying to get him onto the podcast. So I'm absolutely over the moon to be able to have a chat with him today.
1: So Dave, how are
0: you, brother?
1: Hiya, Collie. Yeah, I'm good. Um, thanks for having me on. Uh, glad glad you found the story motivational. Um, mad old story, but yeah, kind of coming out the other side of it now, which is great. Yeah,
0: man, delighted to, <laughs> uh, delighted to get you on. I can't believe you got over that time you. You woke up and there was no milk in the house. It's such a such a brave <laughs> story, man. <laughs> How did you survive? Oh, it's tough times. <laughs> tough times. There's no worse, man. You wake up and there's no you don't make looking forward to a cup of tea and there's no milk in the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um no, thanks a million for coming on and yeah, man. So Not like wrong. I suppose um, like what? Like I suppose we just go. Do you want to kind of just go from the start, and you know, you can tell us a story, like, and uh, uh, go from there?
1: yeah. Do you want? Um, yeah, I suppose I'll I'll, I'll kind of give you um a background to what I was kind of feeling it leading up to this whole thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I I've been experiencing pain for when I look back on it, probably about fifteen years. Um all sorts of different pains. Like I was playing a lot of sport. I would have sp- played football all the time, rugby, um skiing, loads of different things. Um, so when I was feeling all these pains, I just put it down to sports injuries. And I went to like when I was I remember being in school and I was sent to a physio for a shoulder pain. I just thought it was a rugby tackle or something like that. So I um I went to the physio and they didn't really nothing came out of that. And then as the years went on, I was getting uh more and more kind of just random different things uh, happening to me. I had sciatica at one stage. I had um what else did I say, I I'd have like splitting headaches as it kind of got uh got worse and worse. And if I was in the gym, it would feel like there was someone shoving. Um the only way I can describe it all the time is like an ice pick underneath my shoulder blade and my shoulder blade was winging so it was Mm. my shoulder was coming forward and it felt like it was almost dislocated um so um I went and did a number of different tests I'd been to like physios osteopaths uh I went to a doctor at one stage I went to my local GP when I was living I was living over in London um for about seven years and I went to my g p and at this stage i kind of knew there was something going wrong because um i couldn't move my uh head from left to right really more more so than a few inches and when you have like gone to the g p were they kind of just saying it's a, like more
0: of a kind of like a muscle injury or could be a sports related injury
1: yeah like uh, i think i think with gps it's really difficult because they're mm. a general practitioner so yeah. they they're like they're not specialized in anything specifically Mm. so they're like looking at you as a whole Um, Yeah, so they're relying on what you say and because i didn't know what it was i i like i was going out all the time at that stage and i was out like um only once a week now like i wasn't out i've never been once like drink like every single night of the week or anything like that but if i do, yeah, you, you don't was, need to
0: feel guilty about your drinking now because i thought me.
1: no That's, but I'm like taking
0: the little boxes there yeah it's, it's a sober podcast isn't yeah, I? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tee it all up yeah um, but uh yeah so like I, I i told i remember going into the po- um into the podcast into the gp and telling her what i drank just being honest because no one ever does and uh, she, I, sh- I definitely shouldn't have because she sent me a letter for AA and she tried to send me to AA. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is not what I knew. Yeah. Uh, at this age, I was like on oh, mental. Like I, I, was, I was, knew something was wrong with me. So I, I rang them up. Um, I shouted at someone for a bit. Uh, and uh, they were like, look, I'm sorry. Got me another GP. And they said, what do you want? And I said, I know there's something wrong with me. Like, I'm not sure what it is. I'm like, I was even actually uh, when I go into, I remember all different things, these things will just pop up into my head, but I was like sweating profusely. Like if, if the doctor would be like, are you all right? And uh, I just couldn't stop sweating. I'd be sweating shirts through and everything. Like I have red hair and everything. And I like, I heat up very quickly anyway, but it wasn't that. And uh, it was just all like my body was going mad like it, it was all these things going on so um i asked to see a specialist and they sent me to a specialist he actually before this i had had an operation on my left arm to free what they thought was a trapped nerve because it was um giving me these like spasms across my chest and mm. i felt like i was having a heart attack all the time um and also that was probably panic attacks and stuff which was just sort of coming on from uh, all of this but yeah, yeah, I went to, I went to the specialist and they, and like, he yeah, go
0: When did you like know that it was getting, like it was serious? Like when did you know that hey, um, this isn't like just normal kind of stuff? Like, you know, there is something more, there, like what kind of prompted you to want to see a specialist?
1: So like one of the scariest things that happened to me and just being really blunt about it is like my, I couldn't control my bladder at okay. different stages, but this, this didn't happen all the time. So mm. I think um, especially when you're a guy, anyway, well, I don't know if it's just when you're a guy, but sometimes you're just not good at speaking about things or owning mm. up to it and, and mm. uh, just being honest with yourself, really. Yeah. And I didn't really know who to turn to, which was yeah. stupid. Like I should have just spoken about it because yeah, it no, it'll, pro- it'll, it'll, probably it'll... would have been seen earlier.
0: Yeah, being there, man. But it's mad. It is a really bloke thing that we have to wait until the fire alarm's going off before we a, address an issue. Would be with our mental health or a physical health? Uh, usually, we have to wait. We kind of got, get, things get really bad, and then finally, I might go to the dentist or I might go to the doctor. Like the reason I said yeah, dentist because exactly. only recently. i like it's obviously not, not as bad as what, what you had. Like I'd, yeah, I just yeah. remember waiting until the bit or end. Like I had a toothache and. Taking painkillers and then like had because I'd only take paracetamol and then it just got yeah. so bad that I couldn't sleep at night. And then eventually yeah. I went to the doctor. But like that's been my life story with every like even my mental health that I wait until the bitter end and before I open up and do something about it. Like
1: Yeah, and then and then it all builds up mm. and it just it becomes this like thing where it's so much worse. Mm. Like whereas if you would just kind of and I try and do this now. More like if, if if tackle something initially, so it doesn't become a, a big mountain to climb in the end. Mm. Um, That's mad, isn't it? And it's,
0: yeah, it's funny you were saying that about the panic attacks, and I remember mm. I was a couple of years ago. You know, I I, I had a like I had a like I nearly fainted. You know, I had an episode where I couldn't breathe, and yeah. uh, I I didn't know what was going on. And I remember googling the symptoms, and I was having panic attacks, but I googled the symptoms, and I didn't know about anxiety at the time, and. Like the symptoms of anxiety correlates with cardiac arrest, you like having a heart attack, and I thought it was like yeah. having a heart attack. So I Googled it with yeah. of breath, heart palpitations, feeling dizzy, feeling like fainting, and I was like, crap. I'm gonna die. And I remember going into the hospital, and you know the doctor kept me in overnight, and uh, you know they doing all these checks on my heart, and they said, look, you've a, you've a good, everything's fine, your heart rate is perfect, you know we we're every you're sleeping at night, your heart rate dropped a bit, but you know there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing at all uh, wrong wrong with your heart, like you know what I mean. And I remember then the, the doctor coming in the next morning and saying like, you, like there's there's no nothing wrong with you, you know. Yeah, just yeah, just mad. Like, what? what do you mean, yeah. mad. Like, yeah. it's like, it's anxiety and it's uh, you know you are having panic attacks and you know what what's going on in your life, like. And I I liked that man. I was never able to. Talk about. It. I was just if we can throw it in the back seat and get on with my life, we will. If we can throw a layer of paint over the cracks, I will. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And usually, addressing crazy, things is is a drastic action. You know, what yeah. do something about the problem? No, not to I like have to. Not until like yeah. the boat sinking and I've no other choice. And like yeah. that, I've learned to address things. Like when I see, when I hear the whispers. You know, listen to the whispers before you hear the screams. Like you know what I mean? So if yeah. you hear them little. Whispers be able to address it a lot sooner like you know and, that, and that's yeah. it i suppose i suppose you only learn that through experience and going oh, i wish i kind of had just looked into that a lot sooner like
1: yeah definitely I, yeah like it's funny you say you went into the doctor um when you thought you were having a heart attack the same thing happened to me a few times i went into the doctors because I, I just didn't know what it was it feels like you are having a heart attack and I, I'm not naturally a nervous person. So it was obviously building up um, all this stuff that I wasn't speaking about. And it was just coming out in physical form. Yeah. And like, uh, so much so, I, I rang 112 in, um, in London because I was telling my housemate, I was like, look, I'm getting all this like feeling on my left side. And he was like, I'm, I said, I'm going to go into the hospital. And he goes, ring 112. So it describes all my st- symptoms. And he sent an ambulance out. And uh, I was like, no, we don't need an ambulance. And they were like, sit down, Mr. Kerrigan, sit down. Are you alone? Who's in the house with you? And uh, an ambulance arrived at the door. A lad like hooked me up to an ECG thing and he gave me the form and it showed all my heart rate was completely normal. So I actually just kept that to remind myself that like it was all kind of in my head. Yeah, and uh, mad, isn't it? it's weird.
0: Look, I remember like that time I got, when the doctor came up to talk to me. And I remember sitting in bed and he comes out to the column. He goes, it, it, it's in your head. I'm like, oh Jesus, it's after spreading to me head. Like, what? Am, am I... Like I was like, no, like, like, you're a, you're a hypochondriac. Like, oh, don't tell me I have that as well. Jesus Christ, you know, what I mean? <laughs> I'm freaking out, like, you know. It's like yeah, I wanted yeah. him to diagnose me. He's like, there's something like, oh, come on, that has to It's like you're looking for him. But like that with anxiety, yeah. man, and, and one, of my, one of my mantras is like, um, the feelings of anxiety are uncomfortable, but they cannot harm me, and they will pass, and. When I remember that, and even when I'm having panic attacks, I say, oh, this, this won't kill me. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I haven't had a panic panic attack in a long time. But I remember yeah, when it was, as, yeah. you know, I had to say that, like, this is extremely uncomfortable, but I'm, I'm okay. I'm not going to die, you know? And yeah. you know, I had to reassert myself and say, look, I'm okay here. And and a great tip I got as well when it was having panic attacks is that if you even sip water, when you're having mm. a panic attack, that your brain can't focus on two things. So when you're ever feeling anxious, just have a little sips of water and it brings you back into the present moment that your brain isn't taking off a, a million different problems. You know what I mean? Because... Yeah. That, that's the thing with anxiety that our head we have these brains that are programmed to look and find and solve problems so we're constantly chewing on problems it's a it's an incredible tool to have at the right time but yeah if we're always using it all the time you know it's only a matter of time before we get anxious you know
1: yeah i am um, i don't know where i heard this from or if i made it up myself but i no, i definitely read it um i wasn't smart enough to make this up, but uh it was something to do with uh, like if you're having an anxiety attack um feel that you want like face into it and be like yeah i want more of this and you just like you're telling your body like bring it on bring it on like i want more of the anxiety and just like and then it just like sort of fizzles out it's weird like you like the more you want it it kind of just becomes like you you know it's an anxiety attack yeah um and it that that works for me um and also what you said about um just thinking that this is this is something that'll pass it's not permanent like mm-hmm. it's Um. And once i'd had one i became more able to manage them and i i like you i haven't touched wood now haven't haven't had any for a few years um which is great but like it, it it's it's a scary thing when it does happen yeah
0: no It it is and you know, like, like, like that, man, when I, I, I find that my biggest critic, like, isn't anyone else, like, no one else is going to tell me what I've already told myself, and that anxiety, to, like, you know, putting myself down, that inner anxiety, I when mean, I find that inner critic, or that inner anxiety starting, and, you know, pointing out all my faculties, and everything I'm doing is wrong, you know, and, I say to myself, ah, we're the opponent, you know what I mean? Because I find that's my challenger today. It's, it's all in my head. It's not any anyone else uh, or anything out there. It's my own uh, unhealthy thinking patterns. It's my own procrastination, you know? It's my own yeah. inner critic. And when all that stuff sets off, like what you said, I say, ah, we're the opponent. Something that's going to challenge me today. Something, Some test that I need to overcome. And every battle I'm having is always go, is in my head. You know, they're the hardest... That's the hardest critic you'll ever need to convince is in your head and I find that as soon as I'm able to do that I feel so much better I feel like that um I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm like believing in myself and that's what always comes down with this self-belief you know what I mean that yeah. no matter what's going on with our anxiety or in life is that if we can always believe in ourselves I and mean, that's the, the be all and end all like you know what I mean and some days yeah. you're feeling low and it's, it's really hard to find that self-belief and it, you're you're just living off that inner critic like you know what I mean that it's like nothing else exists like you know what I mean just mm-hmm. that inner head but I find that when I can learn to like just stop assuming that things are attainable, and just start believing in myself that they are you know I'm the only one that decides what is and what isn't attainable in my life
1: yeah 100% like i i am a big believer in thinking positively about things and um and and not thinking something's impossible i i like i think everything is possible it's it might be really really hard or highly unlikely that you'll be able to do something but there's a way to do it mm-hmm. um and if you take in little steps you'll be able to get there yeah. um like people going to the moon and like all the crazy things like people like the first time someone might swim across an ocean or something like that people would have thought it was impossible but there are ways to do it um, and it's just kind of thinking positively about them like all these massive tasks well that you feel are massive tasks um, and just breaking them down into a manageable way and and not getting overstressed about them and, and thinking mm. like uh, like I don't know like all the inner voices that go on in your head not taking yeah. them too seriously like they're just a lot of them are just crazy thoughts and they're not the way you might be thinking. Like your brain Mm -hmm. just fires thousands of thoughts through your head all the time. It doesn't mean that's, that's the way you are. That's the way you're thinking. Like um, there's, it's just, that's just the way we are. It's just Mm -hmm. kind of, I suppose, slowing down and and, and, uh, yeah, trying to accomplish things helps me anyway.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it is that thing that like, to recognize how far we've gone that if we're gonna compare ourselves to anyone, compare yourself to the person you were yesterday, that we we fail to recognise like you're talking about like making it to the moon, swimming across these channels and things that you'd view as completely unattainable. And you know, even if you today went from like like you talk about the couch to 5K and you know people that are like what even a year ago the lockdown and recognizing the stuff that are, we've overcome and you know, you don't have to run a million marathons to get, get feel a sense of achievement. You know, even yeah. coming through the last year was extreme an extremely stressful year for anyone. Like, you know what I mean? The whole yeah. your whole, whole world and your whole reality, as you know, it's gonna completely change. Like, you know what I mean? That and it's that, going yeah. can, can be scary. And even to come through that and to see positivity in that is really a really phenomenal thing. So to, to even to recognise Jesus, where where yeah. I was a year ago, what I've learned, you know what? I know that I, I, I have a sense of resilience at me that even that a global pandemic can't can't stop me. I can't take away my hope and my positivity. And I I find that powerful as well to never never always see how far you've come. Like whenever you're feeling low, you know, count that um, count your blessings and say, "Well, wow, I've I've come so far today, and I'm, I'm so I'm so grateful that I, I used to be this and now I'm this." Like you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, yeah, you know it's 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 mad. Like like you think things are completely unattainable, and then when we actually go towards them. We we can see where wow, we can. All again, it's just it's it's just a fact that we own self belief. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now we're all like we're all constantly learning, and like as you said, like if you look back on yesterday, you've you might have had a really difficult day yesterday, but like you've learned something from it, um, and and you can just. You know, one thing that i try and do now if i'm um if i have a bad day or i'm feeling down i'll uh i'll allow myself feel that way for one day because it's natural to feel shit sometimes and everyone does but um not letting it become something that takes over my life so when i get up then in the next morning i decide that i'm going to be positive about it and and move on and do something positive and and yeah. just not yet yeah, not not let that sort of take over my life because it can do really easily and it it's almost easier to think negatively about things and just oh, I can't do that or I can't mm. do this it, it it's the easy way out but when you you start like working towards something and and breaking it down and and going oh I actually I did that I didn't think I could do that or like like doing a five k like you said or to even doing 1k like if you if you mm-hmm. walk 1k um that's a huge achievement for some people like it it's everyone's challenge is relative to them um so it, it's it's not comparing yourself to other people like just taking whatever you want to do not worrying yeah. too much about other people's thoughts and, and just kind of going for it
0: yeah no 100 and i like like when you when you were saying that with the specialists and things like that, like what, yeah. what, like what, what was what happened next after that?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, probably trailed off there for a bit, but um, <laughs> but, uh, this is a good, so, a good
0: score. I love going down these rabbit holes. I got because I knew I was thinking oh, to myself of I, I could keep going, <laughs> and you know everything <laughs> you were saying was resonate with me. And I said, right, I'll uh, I'll try to get back to it, I'll try back because your story is incredible. And I was like, right, I'll try to get back to that, and then I'll tell yeah. me.
1: Yeah, yeah, tears on. Sorry. Um, yeah. So I I went to the specialist, and he said that he was going to do. Uh, I had done a nerve conduction test before, which is basically they um put these little uh, nodes on your fingers and just send electric pulses up to see if your nerves are responding. He was thinking about doing that again, and he decided, right, I'm going to send you for an MRI just as a precaution. So I went in and um, did an MRI um for anyone that doesn't know it's it's kind of like a you lie down on this um mat almost and then it it puts you into this tunnel and it's very close to your face and it's it pretty scary because like it's there's this hammering noise the whole time um, they scanned my they were going to scan my neck and my shoulder and then while i was in there the I was pulled out after about 15 minutes, and the radiologist, or whatever the name of the person that is, that does that, was saying that a doctor had been in and seen my scan while I was in there and had seen a contusion on my neck. And uh, I was like, What's a contusion? And he kind of sidestepped the question. And he said, We don't want to do your shoulder anymore. We want to do the rest of your spine. So I was like, uh okay uh, not really thinking anything of it so instead of it being a 15 minute mri it was a full hour and you can't move at all for the full hour then i left not thinking anything of it and i was in work the next day and i got a call around 10 a.m and it was someone going uh, hi is that david kerrigan and i said yeah it's him and he was like this is uh matthew crocker i'm one of the head neurosurgeons in the london region i have your mri results here in my hand and i just remember everything just kind of slowing down then and i was like oh no and uh he he was like you have uh your your um your mri results show that you have a growth on your spinal column and i'm gonna need you to come in and see me tomorrow morning um in in hospital and he named the hospital south of london and and what
0: age are you at the time
1: I was 28 it was it was a week before my 29th birthday I'm pretty sure yeah it was a week before my 29th birthday um so yeah like I was just like uh like it, it's hard to know what it, it just kind of hits you like it's ton of bricks and you're yeah. it's a sick feeling in your stomach because you start to think right something something's wrong now but I didn't ask enough questions
0: what was the first thing that came into your head?
1: I like, I didn't know shock. Um, mm-hmm. I was just, cause you, you kind of a, almost, I've said it before, almost like small bit like relief because I knew something was wrong and then I I'd been searching for what this thing was for years and years and people telling me like physio told me I had a curved spine which wasn't true at all. Um, and, and all these like um, crazy diagnoses that just because it's so, so rare what I had, um, it, it's just really hard to spot. Yeah. But I, I, um, so I went in anyway, I went into the, I went into this hospital then the next morning and um, my ex-girlfriend at the time wants to go in with me. And I was just like, um, no, I need to, I need to go in by myself and deal with this myself. So I went in and it was, uh, I was just like, I'm gonna be really positive about this. I remember in the waiting room, it, like people moving around and everything seemed normal. Then you get called into a room, small little gray room. And I just, I really liked the doctor immediately. Like he broke everything down, like really honestly and truthfully. and um, He didn't try and overcomplicate things. So he made it that I could understand it. But it turned out that i had a, a rare um, benign tumor called a hemangioblastoma which they can grow in your spinal column or in your brain mine was at um, the back of my neck and on the c2 c3 which is the different rungs of your spinal column and he showed me he he showed me the actual mri scan so it's more detailed than like a, an x-ray it's it's almost like it's a black and white photo and it was a black mark in the middle of my uh, spinal column and there's fluid that goes around your nerves, which I didn't really know before, um, but it was expanding. So like it was pressing out and that that's what was causing me to get all these spasms and, and pains um, over the years. And it, he, he said like, look, we, we don't know if this is growing on your nerves or where it is in your spinal column, but basically all the, the fluid is expanding and it's, Putting pressure on all your nerves um and he was like have you have you been dropping things have you burnt yourself recently have you lost your balance i remember feeling when he asked me those questions i felt pretty scared because like they're not known not being really medically knowledgeable myself i i was just like geez they're pretty serious questions to ask people because that's like are you losing your feeling are you losing your balance and all well, these yeah. sort of things um and yeah so he he, uh, there had been loads of different things that had happened like my back had had gone on nights out where I was bent over backwards like uh where I couldn't stand up that happened four times and it, it just like I've lost all physical power in my like abs and couldn't pull myself up um and I my I said my right shoulder was kind of on a swivel almost and if i was doing a chin up or a press up or anything i was more doing it with my left arm so all these things that i and and countless other things like pains my knees and stuff he said all these things that you're you had been experiencing and and your loss of um being able to control your bladder and stuff like that he was like that could get worse and that could get worse really quickly and if it does get worse um because it's nerves it's irreversible. So you, you basically, you have two choices and I was like, what are they? And he said, you can leave it. And a lot of people do leave it. um, Especially when they're older because they take the risk that like the, the operation, the operation's really risky. Um, They just leave it or, but he said, it, it can get a lot worse. Or the other option is that you can, you can have an operation and it's, it's a more serious operation than um, like trying to remove a brain tumor, I'm not mm-hmm. saying a brain tumor is um, like, it that's obviously has all its own complications and people that go through that sort of stuff. I, I took a lot of um, strength from people that I know that have been through that sort of stuff. Mm. And also mine was a benign tumor, but um, basically where, where it is on my neck, it was on my nerves. So, well, didn't know if it was on my nerves but until they cut in so if you less than millimeters like either side if you cut anything it could have like irreversible effects and that's like you're breathing your every mo- movement from the neck down and he, he's kind of explaining all that to you um as as you're making your choice and so the
0: choice is if you, if you keep there it could get a lot worse um and the density paralyzes you and yeah, like be, become terminal, or you could mm-hmm. have this high risk operation, um, to get it removed. Yep. But there's, 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 it's high risk and it could have consequences. Yeah, That's a yeah, mad, it, 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 like, yeah, like, like, where do you even start? If it comes to terms of decision, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like it was, most like, people are deciding when <laughs> they like get a latte or a cappuccino, like,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, um, it, it. Really like put things into perspective very very quickly. Like it, nothing else mattered except for being in that room at that time. And I was just like, oh, I remember like as he was talking, I wasn't taking everything in. I took the bits at the start in, but I was just looking out this window and it was really like grey and rainy. And I was like, Mm. oh, I like just everything just didn't wasn't working for me. Like I was just, but I, I. yeah, I was just. It, it was there was relief there definitely because I was like, I know what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I repeated the two decisions. I was like, right, so I can leave it there, or and it slowly, slowly gets worse, um, and potentially irreversible. And he didn't say it could go to paralysis, but that was basically what it was. Being insinuated, like you know, so uh, all of that had sort of it was going that way. Um, and then the other choice was to have an operation that he said, as operations go, it's probably one of the riskiest because it's on your spinal column and it's where your nerves are. Mm. Um, so for me, there was no like I decided pretty quickly. I was in within a few minutes. I'd say that I was going to have the operation because I was sporty i i was 28 nearly 29 i had what i saw my whole life ahead of me and it it didn't make sense to take that just just continue getting slowly progressively worse that that would have been awful for me um so i just decided to have the operation and uh you have to he gives you something to sign and it it says all these different things that you can can happen to you like um i don't know like loss feeling nerve damage um paralysis and then the last one's death and they have those just <clears> like written out with commas between them and then you have to sign something underneath um and, and like it's mad and then and i remember i don't remember much more of the meeting um it was a, i think the operation was a month and a half later but when i left the room i just I I rang my ex at the time and I just broke down when I like on the phone. I had to hang up on her and I was just getting this bus home. And it like the next the next month and a half was like very, very mentally tough. Yeah,
0: um, man. Like I say, that's insane. Like even getting the bus home, and what I like when you're going through so like I can't obviously comprehend the, like the massive, massive like like where the, like in your head, having known that. Is coming up and the shock and the trauma of that. And right, I just know when I, remember I was really like suffering with my, 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 my mental health and, you know, just like that, trying to get on with life and just looking at other people walking the walk and getting the bus and like, you yeah. do they not even know what's going on? And it feels like the whole yeah. world is just getting on and you've stalled and you're kind of still coming to terms with this battle that's going on and this, yeah. This massive burden in your life and this turmoil, and you're just looking at people getting on with their lives, and you're like, "This is a travesty! Like, what's going on here?" Like,
1: yeah, you feel like almost well, I did on both sides of the operation. I felt like, um, like all this mental stuff, like my world ter- turned upside down completely with that, and uh all these, like, I, I, I was just looking at people and thinking, like. were laughing and everything and it was really difficult for me to just relate to people at that time Mm. and and especially more so when i came out of hospital was really hard for me to relate to people and it took me a long time to um to kind of get to grips with that and um to kind of realize that other people are going through really difficult things as well i think that's like that's hugely important thing um that i i've learned anyway that um something that i i didn't really Take take into account a lot of the time before was that people might seem like they have everything, like that they, they could have a load of money, they could, I don't know, have a great job, they, like all these different things. But there might be a lot of stuff that's going on in their life that you don't know about. That's really difficult.
0: Yeah, it's mine. Um, don't compare yeah. your insides with other people's outsides. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's yeah. that's so that your your way of coping or the mindset that you chose was. Well, look, it could be a lot worse. There's, there's other people out there with a lot worse ailments and and suffering and challenges going on than me. So you chose yeah. to compare yourself to people that might have it a lot worse, and that was your motivation to say it's not that bad. And that was your kind of way of looking at it in a more positive way.
1: Yeah, I think well, that that's definitely one of them. I um, I de- I definitely one of the things that worked for me was I looked at it really logically and I was like right this this has to happen now I'm having I've made the choice I'm having the operation um I could have backed out of it of course but like it didn't wasn't really an option because of what I said before but I I just thought that I would sorry I forgot where it's come with that I was um yeah I, I I definitely I looked at I looked at other people and all the different things that people have been through and not just this operation because it was so rare i couldn't really find anyone like there have there are people that have it all the time but just i couldn't find anyone on the internet that had kind of been through it and recovered and stuff like that so i i i knew people have been paralyzed before i know people have had like crazy operations and have gotten through it or like just people are going through life and have terminal cancer and they're walking around with a smile on their face and and Mm. the strength that it takes for that person to, to do that sort of thing is massive. So Mm. other people have, other people have done incredible things and like, I wasn't comparing my situation to that, but those things were incredible to me. So I thought like, what, I can't really complain about this. I have to, I have to get through it. Um, and just be as positive as possible and know that there is a risk that when I wake up, that I could be, um, could be paralyzed or there could be some, I even, I remember going in before the operation and seeing someone limping and like he had a crutch coming out of the ward that I was going into. And I was like, geez, I don't I hope I don't come out with a limp. And, uh, <laughs> how, how I know, it, it's going to be a lot worse.
0: <laughs> and how long did it take you to kind of adapt to this
1: being your new normal? Um, before the operation.
0: Yeah, like this. Like I know when drastic things can take
1: Like uh, I, but uh, like, like I probably feel myself a lot of the time thinking that I was okay. Um, the reason I say that now is because before I had the operation, they fill you with a load of drugs and they uh, they put you to sleep. But apparently, I started like crying and going mental before, and I'd been really happy. So I don't know if that was all like on the inside, all of this inner turmoil that was going on, yeah. um, that kind of let itself out just before the operation, the fear and everything, and um, that was obviously going on inside me. But um, I think I was trying to be mentally strong for myself and for everyone around me as well, so that I, because there was like, I, I, I didn't see the benefit of being, of thinking negatively the whole time going into it like it it wouldn't set me up to have the operation come out the other side if I was thinking negatively the whole time I needed to be really focused and positive and and when I woke up it was whatever happened it was like go 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 recover 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 and that's kind of the way I went into it but yeah it it was it, it when you were talking about looking at other people around you and and all and and um their lives just seemed so normal. That was difficult. And like even tr- I explained to two of my mates um, over over a pint like uh, a few weeks before and uh, they just didn't really get it. And I knew they didn't. And I told my housemate and he, I knew after I explained to him, I was like, it's it's really risky. And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just really chilled out sort of guy. Um, mm. But it wasn't his fault. Like he, he it's just... Like it, I had been, this had all been explained to me in such detail. It was just difficult for me to explain it to other people. Um. But yeah, so like, it, I suppose after the operation anyway, um, had the operation and it was, um, instead of it being three hours, it was six hours. And it turned out when they did cut in uh, to the back of my neck, that it was growing on my nerves, which made things a lot more complicated. Really? Um, They thought that, it was detached from my nerves, which would have just been go in, suck it out, and they just like suck out tumors. And um, as far as I know, anyway, from the videos that I've watched, but uh they they stopped the operation after six hours because they thought that they paralyzed me on the right side. Um, and then when I woke up, I couldn't move anything from um from the neck down or feel anything from the neck down. So i like i woke up and i was just like ah oh, shite like this is <laughs> yeah. <I'd laughs> I like,
0: I was now. <laughs> just,
1: like in my head i was kind of like I, I i was like you're still kind of on some drugs and stuff like that no, I, I wasn't on morphine or anything like that i didn't take morphine it's like a liquid form of diazepam um which kind of just muscle relaxant and stuff like mm. that makes you a bit happy and stuff but I woke up and I was like right okay everything this has happened the the what I didn't want to happen has happened and I've woken up and I can't feel anything I can't move anything and I was just like okay I just need to work work on this now and and sort of it's 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 weird it's almost easier when you're in hospital because there's so many people around you constantly that are like telling you this is what's wrong with you and and like this is we're gonna have a physio appointment the next day but the difficult bit was when my parents my ex came in and they and and the doctor and uh, the doctor looked white which was a bit worrying and he my dad was like tapping my arm and my legs and he was like can you feel that and I was like no I can't feel any of that and uh, that that was weird like uh, that was pretty scary when he did that like that I just couldn't move or respond like you you're looking at your limbs and you you just can't move them mm. um but i had all this like um with nerve damage like i don't know if it happens to everyone but i have like these electric pulses mm. rushing through my body um and had done at that which was a good sign because it felt it it means the nerves are trying to react um but yeah so my my left arm um I uh, started moving within a few hours, which was great. Um, oh. I don't know how many hours because it all kind of seems a bit crazy like that whole time. But um, the rest of it then, it, it started from one finger on my right hand twitching probably a few days or something later. And but it i say week, something you
0: know. that might seem tiny was massive, just to see where I've, I've just moved my little finger, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. and just the miracle in that after being what you've been through when you're kind of like but well, i need to see what what's coming back here you know what i mean because mm. it was like i say the suspense just to know like how, how your recovery is going to be is dependent on how how much you can move your body on on, on the few hours days or weeks after that operation like what's going to come back what will i have use of again
1: yeah yeah and that, like i think one of the things that um i i t- also told myself <clears throat> before going in like if someone's gonna tell me something that I can't do something I'm not taking that for like the gospel truth i'm we're gonna find out a way to like recover like I and, love that. um but I, it's I, my I, as well that
0: like you when you even think of the stuff that the fear of not being in control like and that's one of the scary things that we're not in control of this outcome. I'm not in control of this situation, and like there's not and truly only two things that we are in control of in life. It's how we can prepare to for a situation and how we respond to a situation, you know? And, you know, Victor Frankl has that quote, you know, when we are no longer able to change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves, you know, and to trying to fit into these new set of circumstances into our life, yeah. you know? and yeah. That's where the transition is at. When we're trying to, like we were chatting about, this is, a new normal and a new, a new mindset, and a new set of tools, and a new perspective to dealing with these this new circumstance that I find myself in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like I, I um, one of the things I, I actually read a story about. I think he, I'm pretty sure he was an Irish guy that was in Australia, and he was on a surfboard, came off the surfboard, hit his head into into the sand, and uh, he was paralyzed, and he. He ended up in like he almost nearly drowned in the water. But I remember he, I read all that and he recovered and he, he was even longer in hospital than me. Like I was in yeah. hospital a month and then intensive rehab for three months, but I'd made a good recovery while I was in that month. So I didn't have to go in as an inpatient. I basically wasn't, I'd go in five days a week. Um, I get two trains and a bus to this place to try and almost reintegrate myself into mm-hmm. normal life um because that was the really scary bit coming out of coming out of hospital like was all the noise and everyone being so normal around me and all this just mental like whirlwind of emotions and physical feelings going on in my body and mind and uh just trying to be normal and trying to like what you said trying to find the new normal whatever that is um mm-hmm. trying to accept a new normal yeah well like i definitely one of the things i definitely didn't want to do was like accept that this was the way i was going to be um um, because i wanted i was like i'm going to get better no matter what like yeah um and like moving on from the like twitch my finger i would then my middle finger maybe move and i was my dad had come over to stay in london while i was over there and uh i was like did my middle finger just move there and he was like uh, do it again and I try my hardest and he was like yeah it, it twitched there so I love that. yeah and then I'd st- like move more of my fingers and that would take a few days but you're being like picked up and put into wheelchairs you can't wash yourself um you you, you have um um a catheter in where so you can't go to the toilet yourself like wait like everything is just it's all like taken away from you and like there are like i only had to do this now for a little bit so like there are people that do this on a lot longer term basis and they walk around with a smile on their face and or they're just they can be like they get on with their life so i didn't want to sit around you know not moaning but like just feeling sorry for myself Mm -hmm. um and there were so many amazing people that i met in hospital like there was a one, one day when i was feeling really sorry for myself i was going into the intensive rehab hospital and uh, there was a guy that had no arms and no legs and uh, he was like uh, propped up on crutches and um um sort of like stints or something for his legs but uh, he was like the happiest person around. And well, wow, that's
0: powerful. That's like Yeah. Uh,
1: I was it just hit me like
0: Yeah, it's so motivational, isn't it? And it's it's of little things like that. We need little things every day to motivate us. Like, you know what I mean? I like had that the other day when uh, you know, I was out running, I was doing that charity run yesterday and I was exhausted and about yeah. to stop. And like you know, we that inner critic, that negotiator in my head was saying, I just stop, you know, you're doing well, you know, and I was going to keep going, like, you know, because because those things was like over the lads easy said them run they raised over four grand for um, Alzheimer's yeah. and uh, I remember looking across the road and I seen this uh, I seen this like this this theory he looked fairly overweight and he didn't look comfortable at all And while he was running but he, I just seen his face how determined he was and there was something there that was saying okay I'm doing this and I just found out I was like wow well, I just wanted to go and give the guy a hug and just say thanks yeah. man you've, you've really inspired me today and yeah, you know it's it's mad when you can go out in the street and even see the walk and motivation the most motivational things you'll see is that you know people that are getting on with their lives after they're getting, getting exposed to such difficult circumstances you know someone you know it sounds to like a mate there that he recently found out that him and his partner can't get pregnant like you know what I mean and yeah. they're, they're getting on with it or you know someone else that's going to going back dating after a big divorce or a, a guy going going for a walk, or sorry, going, like a guy, you know, getting on with his life, after getting into a wheelchair, or, you know, mm. whatever it may be, that how people, how we can overcome difficult situations that we think we'd never be able to overcome, but yeah. as soon as we find ourselves in them, we adapt and how brave and courageous that is, like, and you see it day in, day out, when you said, like what you said there, when you started to notice these things and, and look around and see it, see it in these people. If you're looking for like, motivation, you know, go, go go and look at the incredible superheroes that are walking among us, that are getting on with their with their lives, like, like you on the way home on that bus journey, you just have to get in this news, and, you know, and, and how brave and courageous it takes to go and make a decision like that, like, will I, you know, let this thing grow on me and potentially kill me, or will I get this really high-risk operation, and, you know it, it it it's it's incredible like you know what i mean it's just the strength that our, as a human that we have that we don't think we're capable of having but we, it's there it's in all of us that we dig deep we all have the, we're all ca- capable of doing these incredible things and overcoming yeah. the most difficult situations like
1: yeah that that like that is the thing that i i feel that everyone everyone is capable of doing these things like it's not you're born i personally think this anyway that you're everyone just needs to you need to think of it in the right way and you'll be able to to do it like it Mm. it it, it, they, they seem like impossible tasks but so many people normal people get through all of these things and are living with these um really difficult situations on a day in day out basis and taking strength from those people and what I try and do now is, and I'm like, I'm still learning all the time, but I'm trying to learn from other people and look at all of these things and slow down and appreciate when people are doing like amazing things, like being in a wheelchair for. Uh, I was only in it for a few weeks. Um, I had okay. to get in and out of it to walk. But how long did to take like,
0: to go from like from the bed to back walking again?
1: Um, so I was. Weeks before, like, walk, like walking was. I wasn't like walking, walking. It was like being able to shuffle to mm. an area, and then I'd be exhausted by the time I got to that area. But, um, that was. I'd say the I stood within two weeks, maybe a week and a half, um, and then once I could stand. I used to have this electronic bed that I could lower and, and, and raise. I wasn't meant to be getting out of the bed myself because it was dangerous. Like if I fell out of the bed, they have these things on either side so you don't fall out because you could hit mm-hmm. your head on the concrete floor. But I used to lower them down anyway and lower the bed down and shuffle my way to the end of the bed. And uh, I do squats in the morning before breakfast. Um, I kind of like uh, have something I could only use my left hand at this stage. But my right arm was just immobile. So I, have that to kind of steady myself and i do i try and do 100 squats this now that that sounds like i jumped from doing that there was a lot of stuff i did in the bed like leg raises different things and like Um, what
0: what do you think was the thing that was motivating you the most to keep going and like what did you like was you thinking your girlfriend at the time your parents going traveling somewhere something um, you wanted some life experience you wanted to achieve if you ever got back walking was there something that tended to pop into your head quite often that you were trying yeah. to
1: attain yeah i I think like i i was like this isn't it this is not i'm not living the rest of my life lying down and um and i'm not living I, i'm gonna get back to normal and like there's so much i want to do like i want to i want to go traveling i was like i want to do it was like thinking mad things like i want to do a dance class and like Mm -hmm. all these things that never would have come into my head before in my life i haven't done a dance class now um but yeah like just random things popping into your head and thinking why wouldn't i do that like what like Mm -hmm. um i want i was like i want to climb a mountain i want to i tried to book kilimanjaro for a a year later which would have been a big no-go because there would have been no hope i would have Mm -hmm. done that um but just like wanting to look I, I basically i it put everything into perspective and then i look back and thought of all the times that i was feeling sorry for myself over little things and things that were really trivial and didn't didn't matter um and i didn't really appreciate what i had and what mm. i i could have so it's i mad. it's but, like
0: it's like that old yeah. saying like a happy man wants a thousand things a sick mm. man only wants one thing like and how we yeah. take the simple things for granted. And I think that people that I've met throughout my life that have come from like a near-death experience or a place of like extreme struggle, you know, or extreme darkness that their they're love for the simple things today because they know what it's like not to be able to appreciate the simple things. Like, I, like I, I'd have my struggles with addiction and mental health and, I know what it's like not to walk off the Tesco and have a panic attack. And that's why I'm grateful today to have to go for a little walk and to have peace of mind that I take, you take, you can take any material, matter or materialistic thing in my life, have it, I don't care anymore, you know, just to have that peace of mind. And I remember hearing this great story that this guy is in a village and he has a dream one day that... uh, a man, a monk's gonna walk through the village and hand him a diamond, the world's most valuable diamond. And he wakes up the next day and goes, that was only a dream. And next thing he's going through the town and he sees this monk walking and he goes, he runs over to him and goes, Any chance? Have you got a diamond for me? He goes, Oh, you you must be John, yeah, no worries. Here you go. Hands him a diamond. And he and he goes, ah oh, cheers, man. And he goes back to the tree and he's sitting at this tree pondering all day because something's wrecking his head about this whole situation. And he runs yeah. back to the monk and he hands and throws a diamond at him, he says, I don't want that diamond. I want I want to be able to give away the world's most valuable diamond, just like you did there, you know. And and what I got from that story was that like it's not about the things that we have, it's our, our ability to, you know, find peace no matter the circumstances or no matter what we have around us. Like, you know what I mean? That to know that peace is an inside job and it's not about the stuff on the outside and that and we can learn to adore and love the simple things around us, you know, that's um and that's that's the gift of, of 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 life, like you know what I mean, to be able to appreciate, you know, a bit of time with a loved one, to be able to appreciate a sunrise or sunset. You have to appreciate your that you're healthy enough to appreciate these things. That your mental health and your physical health is all intact and all in order enough to love these things. Like, you know what I mean? And yeah. That's what that's what I feel I'm blessed for, you know. That you don't really know what you have till it, till it's gone or it's been, you know. Like even the simplest things, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think like, I think some of the like really difficult times that I I had when um I left hospital, like I I remember feeling you were talking about mental health, and um, I suppose it's something that I, you, you, like the same as the physical thing i was just pushing it away like i thought i'm always fine but when all of this was going on like you have like almost suicidal thoughts that come into your head um and things like um like when i was waiting for the tube and the tube coming in and thinking like what would happen if i just threw myself in front of this now and like it seems like a crazy dark thought and like another time I remember like thinking when I was on holiday after the operation I we were walking around a marina and uh, I was looking into the water and it was just this it was at night and dark and I was thinking if I jumped in there now no one could save me because I couldn't swim no one be able to get me out and I don't know why these things are coming into my head um, and <laughs> like it it when those things started happening I like had to start like kind of start talking about things a bit more and and being realistic that like I knew something was wrong and um I didn't go to a therapist which I probably should have at the time, but the things that kind of helped me were talking about it and being honest about the stuff that was happening mm. um and exercising a lot um yeah. keeping myself occupied and feeling that I was... I try and keep myself busy these days but not so much not so busy that i feel that i'm not appreciating appreciating things it's it's busy that i'm experiencing life and that i'm i'm not just sitting around on the couch like today i went down i was telling you before the before this that um went down and sat by the sea and read my book for about two hours and then i went for a swim and came back and i feel great now and if it flipped that around, and if I just sat around all day and watched Netflix or something like that, like I wouldn't have been as happy or content what, going to bed. I feel like I kind of doing things.
0: What do you think? What do you think are the, like the biggest changes from the day of before he got that news, a phone call from the doctor to come in to the hospital, on the day of today? What would you say are the biggest changes in you?
1: Um, I would say. I was someone that was quite insecure probably. Um I, on the face of it I wasn't, but internally I was. Um because I wasn't being honest and, and what, I was scared what was, to take risks. What was your
0: biggest insecurity?
1: Um I things like scared of failure, um mm. sc- wants people to like me. Um what other things? Feeling that like you're not good enough sometimes, like uh, comparing yourself to other people.
0: It's funny, My observation of this would be, you were insecure about all the things that you couldn't control, but subconsciously so you knew you couldn't control. About still felt insecure about them. And then when you went through this big ordeal of something that you couldn't control, you realize what's the point of being insecure about things you can't control? Like you know what I mean? Mm. And just accept yeah. them as the air because you can't yeah. control them. Like.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it kind of. It it helps me a lot. Like I would have loved to have not gone through it, um. But I think I've come out uh, more honest. Yes. How would person. you view the whole ordeal now?
0: In one um, word,
1: one word. How would you describe it? Um, pff, mental. <laughs> no, I'd like how how I've come out of it. I suppose, um, just growth. I would say is like a, is a good word because it was really difficult to go through, but it was from, I met all these amazing people while I did it. Like even, even I remember the cleaner coming in every day, Patrick from Nigeria in hospital. And he was like, just this really interesting person. And and you just like, you meet all these like fantastic people and, um, just people wanting to share their story with you as well. Mm And, and, it, it just it and and like all of those like the I, I was talking about the kind of the suicidal thoughts and stuff like that i read read a book um that i think it it's the happiness hypothesis I've I think heard it's of in it. That, yeah i think it's in that one um but or it's in a different one but the thought of like say throwing yourself in front of a tube that's one of those mental thoughts that one of those thousands and thousands of thoughts Mm. that come through your head it doesn't actually mean that that's what you want to do it's just like it's just like what if i did this you know and it scared me when it happened but what is it's mad
0: man i I used to be tortured by my thoughts i used to like that you know getting them getting them thoughts and i found them real disturbing and i thought there was something wrong yeah
1: disturbing exactly yeah and
0: what i what i realize is that it's not like you're going down to thoughts incorporated And asking for these thoughts to come into your head. These thoughts are intrusive. Where are they coming from? Who put them there? I didn't fill out an application form. So yeah, Yeah. I'd like to have suicidal thoughts on 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 Tuesday in May at two o'clock, please. And please send (laughs) as many as you can. I'd like to have critical thoughts. that put me down and say I'm not good enough. I'd like to have thoughts to say I'm a piece of shit or I'm out or that you know I'm a bad person or that whatever it is, you know I'd like all these thoughts, please. Please send as many as you can. You know we didn't do that. We can't control the thoughts that come into our head. We can only control how we respond and how much you want to entertain these thoughts and take them as gospel or we can take them as um, just background noise. And I was watching that uh, film, uh, A Beautiful Mind. Uh, oh, yes, Russell Have you seen this? Yeah, it's a bit yeah. the, about the maths musician and uh, he um, has schizophrenia and he starts yeah. uh, getting these illusions of these different characters that no one else can see and they're shouting abuse at him and calling him mad and you know he, he wins an Nobel Prize he's a, he's a teacher in a, in a, a real uh, you know real high prestigious college and he, he's trying to get on with his life and he, these thoughts are shouting and screaming at him and he's, he's shouting back at them in the middle of the college and the students are looking at him oh this guy's crazy he should be locked up and blah dee, blah and but he gets on with his life and he learns to just live in harmony with these illusions that no one else can see only him and that not to deny them but just recognise them see them there and don't react to them and shout at them and, and just re- acknowledge them and mm. and then he lives in harmony and peace with them and he gets like, he's to get on with his life although the illusions are still there and he's still seeing these characters that no one else can see he no yeah. longer reacts to them shouting at them and he doesn't shout back and I think that's yeah. a lot of the time with our own thoughts that we can learn to live in harmony with them. And it's sometimes they might actually benefit us. Like I was going for a run yesterday. And uh, as, as I said, I'm a real re- like run I'm You're r- running,
1: r- rubbing it in, are you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but like when we, when we started this run it in my head, you know, I had that like care. You know, that good angel, bad angel. And I had that caring, voice that was like, "Ah, oh, do you know what's pissing me? Don't go for the run. Just say like, you have a little eagle yeah. or so, and go home to bed, and you'd be grand." Yeah. And but then that inner critic started up, and he was like, "Get out, you lazy lumpy, and get out and do that run." And yeah. you know, and I listened to that inner critic, man, and he smashed the run, and. And what I realized is that sometimes we have like, there's like tools in the garden. Sometimes you need the trail, sometimes you need the spade, some days you need the shovel. And it's like like that inner critic and that caring voice, they're like tools that we have. Sometimes they might benefit us, but sometimes they won't. And it's like, if you heard the word water, like, water is great for flowers in the garden, but it's also bad for it if you use it too much. So if I yeah. had to use that inner, that inner critic was great for getting me activated and going for the run. But if I was to still use that a cricket when I finished the run, I'd be beating myself up because I didn't run fast enough or the guy yeah. beside me was much faster, etc. But if we had to use that caring voice after the run, it's, I'd acknowledge my achievement and say, well done. You know, so it's like just you, when to you utilize these thoughts? When to pick them up and use it as a tool? Like Edgar Tall talks about in The Power Now that are, mm. our thoughts are problem-finding problem solving tools so we pick up a task and analyze and how can we what's the problem what's the solution and we put it down like our tool that our mind is a tool that we have to learn to pick up and put down at the right time but I think in the western world that we've learned to be constantly in our minds and constantly looking for stimulation and not having a, a, a way of putting it down and turning it off, and you've talked about reading the book on for a C-dip, You know, I'm we, very similar in what my means so at switching off the head and being in the present moment as well. And I think yeah. that's important to recognise that your thoughts is your thoughts is just your brain doing its job, and it's up to us to know when to turn it off and know when to not listen to our thoughts.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Um, you, you, do you meditate yourself?
0: Yeah, we meditate so. Yeah. I, I I do lots of different forms of mindfulness and meditation. Like breathing can be one of them. You know, I, I find like even exercise of writing poetry, creativity, swimming, reading, you know what what whatever kind of brings you into the present moment and you, you feel just engaged in your and aware of what's going on around you, where you're not in your thinking, intellectual mind, that you're just yeah. in the here and now.
1: Yeah. I did that, um, like I've I've done loads of different types of meditating over the years. And one actually, I found really good is just staring at a candle, just set the flame in the dark, because it kind of keeps your attention. That's beautiful. Um, like,
0: yeah, I would be a bit of a pyromaniac. Like I, I used to go going down to my Nanny's house, man, and I just stare at the at the fire, like as if it was like the Champions League final. I just stare at yeah. the fire
1: and just be so like engaged with it. It's really relaxing.
0: Oh, it's so relaxing. Um,
1: that um the i did the breathe with nile um neil it's neil um, it well. yeah it was oh, i was brilliant um that was one like that's kind of one of the things that i've got from that that's something that i thought yeah that'd be cool to do but the old me might have been like ah oh, that's like rubbish there's no way that'll work and kind of like listen to i don't know the general thought from other people like the, like getting in the sea is nonsense like breathing is nonsense but i was like oh, now i want to just try new things all the time and uh i did that and i thought it was amazing like just getting in the ice water um and you feel like you feel unbelievable afterwards I tried to do it at home afterwards. Put a lot of ice in the bath, and uh, <laughs> nearly had <laughs> hypothermia afterwards. Um, know as well as actually. Yeah.
0: I'm getting, I'm getting used to now. so my <laughs> thing is now, when I, like, i the, because I find that the season I'm getting a bit warmer now, so you don't get the same kind of impact from the cold. Like in the winter, yeah. it's great, but in the, yeah. in the getting warmer now, so I had to get that same cold buzz. So like, yeah, yeah. my shower was really cold when I put on the cold setting and I was finding it really uncomfortable. Like. And I find so what we do now we let like, practices, I get in the shower and I pick two two songs and have it like a shower that we play the first song and with hot water, and then when the second song comes on and we Spotify, I switch it to cold, and do like, and 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 try and The full try, song. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll do well. I'll do probably do it half like <laughs> probably. <would. laughs> That's about six hours. six six minute shower, and um, you know but I, I find that if we try and. Uh, if we try and just hold the cold and like the like first one, it was only 10 seconds then 20, then 30, then a minute, then two minutes. And I'm just, I'm building up. And sometimes i leave even dance in the shower, man. And yeah. I just find that, um, sometimes you just need a distraction. And it's when your mind's not focusing on the, how uncomfortable it is. And you just find a little distraction. When I find them dancing. And I'm like, like what you said, you're like, ah, oh, we're the opponent. Like find yeah. what's making you feel uncomfortable and dance with it. And, you know, it's not yeah. learning about uh, avoiding the rain, it's like learning to dance, and that's why I found that, that's like my analogy for life now, you know what I mean, to become comfortable with the uncomfortable, you know what I mean, dancing in agony, yeah. like, you know what I mean, that's, a, yeah. that's what I'm trying to do, and, and I feel great, I right? knock off that shower, and, and you know, I just feel like I'm floating then, you know, it's like a form of therapy, and I love yeah. being able to discover all these natural remedies, that are at our fingertips, like, you know.
1: Yeah, big time, big time. Yeah. um but- to, like I, i'm 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 trying to do things to scare me more and like I'm, i don't do it all the time like I, i'm i'm uh like i'll definitely check out of things and stuff but like i try and not do that now and like i, I had a fear I wasn't scared of speaking in public but like i didn't feel comfortable doing it and i would not feel comfortable jumping up in front of 50 people or writing a speech but that's why i joined toastmasters which is public speaking and uh that has been great to just realize that like i have a speech now on tuesday my second speech i was well wow. all these like and then some be great it, at as well
0: because they're really thanks.
1: articulate and you're
0: well spoken and uh, thanks man i think you'd be brilliant at that
1: yeah so yeah it, it and it, once you finish it you feel great like that's that's kind of what i'm trying to say like just uh, all these things that i'm like uh like i can't do that and then yeah. like all the work that you have to do to get there in, mm. in two weeks like I have to write a speech from scratch and it can be on anything it's to talk for seven minutes yeah. um, and like all of this like you can't do it people think like you're, like your story's stupid or like and there's no, nobody cares like at the, yeah. at the end of the day like so it's become uncomfortable with all of that it's
0: like what we were saying with them anxious thoughts that they're very uncomfortable but they won't harm us and they won't kill us the same as a panic attack you know have that little mantra yeah again up in a stage it's very uncomfortable it's one of my biggest fears but it won't kill me and if I keep leaning into this thing that scares me until it doesn't scare me anymore you know yeah. and I think that's how we overcome fears you know what I mean by leaning into them and exposing our vulnerabilities to them and like it's like the kid you, you know shining the light under the bed to let them know there's no monsters under there and it's usually the stuff we're afraid of it's just we've perceived this big thing in our heads that I'll get up on the stage everyone will will, will reject me and judge me and point yeah. out all my insecurities and my faculties and then when I get up on the stage and I do my uh, I do my speech and people clap and say well done and shake my hand when I come down and and I, I realised then that was just this this false um a false thing that I made up in my head, this false story that it's yeah. gonna be judged and rejected, but it wasn't again, it was just the inner critic. And who won that battle? Was it the imagination of we a critic? Or was it me leaning in to being in a critic and giving them the t- giving it giving it the, the, the two fingers and just being able to do the do the shit that scares me in life, you know? Yeah. And and that's it, man. That's I think that's where broad is when we lean into. Stuff that frightens us, you know what I mean? And try to find all them worthy opponents in our life. But come here, man. I know that we're kind of just hitting the time now. So just a question I want to ask if sure. Yeah. If you were on the bus, you jumped on that bus and you seen yourself Mm -hmm. just after getting that news on the way home from the hospital, as we talked about, you sat down beside yourself. What would you say to yourself?
1: Jesus. I like that question. Um I probably give myself a hug and uh, say that I know everything seems terrifying right now, but you'll get through it. Um, it seems a lot worse than it actually is. Um, but things will work out, and you just need to keep positive about it, and you'll get there. Beautiful, man. I love that. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? And I always think to myself, even when I was going through hard times like that we would go back and just give myself a hug and say man you got this you're worthy you stop putting yourself down you know you're, you're a great guy you know stop beating yourself yeah. up and I always thought if I had a time machine I'd go and do that and then the days still the days I get that when I do feel low and I do feel really down I'm like yeah. just call him in the future now though she has a time machine go and give me a hug and say man you're a great guy you'll get through this this will pass just keep yeah, trudging yeah. brother you know and yeah. that always gives me hope like you know that uh I know there's uh, there's a more it uh, does me in the future saying, Don't worry, man, you got this, keep going. Good good times are ahead. I like that. I'll use that. I'll definitely use that. <laughs> Dave, bro, thanks a million, man. I'll catch you down the down the big pond for the dip soon, yeah. Definitely, Collie. Pleasure. Thanks for yeah, having man. me. Come here, what's what's next in the horizon, do you think? What's your next big uh, uh, endeavor?
1: What's my next big endeavor? I um I think I'm going to do an MBA um, for my career. Uh, I'm what's Sorry, Boris, layman What's an MBA? It's a master's of business administration. Wow. Um, so I, I always kind of... That's another thing. I, I'd always been like, oh, I'd love to do a master's, but thinking, do it, am I good enough and kind of putting it off? And I would think, why not? Um, mm. Why why can't I do it? If other people do it, why, why not? And then a physical thing that I want to do is... I want to climb Kilimanjaro I, I'm still going to do that I'm going to do that in the next three years If I do an NBA, that'll be two years So I've set a goal of three years For the Kilimanjaro And then probably the third thing Is to make a load of mistakes along the way And then learn from
0: That's where we learn, bro That's where we get yeah. the wisdom
1: Touching exactly. that hot stove Over and <laughs> over
0: Just to be sure To be sure Yeah, we're going yeah. up We're hiking up uh, mountain, l- l- Laguna, is it? <laughs> I can't pronounce it
1: Oh, uh, Lugnaquila.
0: Yeah, so if you're around, man, you want to call him, uh, come up, man, next Saturday. Definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Deadly, bro. Yeah, I do that, yeah. Yeah, 100%, man. Looking forward to it right, man. Deadly. Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure, bro, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. I'm just going to knock this off. Now.